Picture this. Half-timbered towns with tall cathedral spires, thatched roof cottages dotted among green rolling hills with dramatic cliffs, cliffs that lead down to the quiet beaches that once hosted the Battles of D-Day. There are many reasons the Normandy coast of France is an ideal getaway, especially for people from busy Paris, because it's the closest coastline to the capital. We're joined now on Travel with Rick Steves by three French tour guides to tell us why Normandy is among their favorite regions of France. Patrick Vidal, Virginie Moret, and Antoine Bonfils, bonjour. 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 Patrick, how is Normandy distinct from the rest of France? This is a, this is a very green country, and when you talk about green, you talk about the rain, obviously. Mm-hmm. So we are on the western part of France, and we're very close to the ocean. So it rains quite a lot. That's one of those regions in France, and uh, it's very disappointing, but there's no wine. You don't produce any wine. And because you don't have vineyard, you've got apple trees, and from those apple trees, you make cider and calvados. Ah, so the, the alcoholic uh, favorite local drinks would be alcoholic cider and the calvados, which is kind of a fire water with which apple? Which is kind of a, yeah, a brandy, oh, okay. and a distil- yeah. distillation of apples. Virginie, how, how would a Parisian look at Normandy? Well, it's very close to uh, Paris. Paris has 20 arrondissements. Mm-hmm. spread like a snail around Paris. Mm-hmm. And because it's about two hours by train or three hours when you go to Normandy, it's seen as the 21st arrondissement of Paris. Parisians go there for the weekend. They enjoy the coast. The coast of Normandy is different from any other coast in France. We have the cliffs, lots of cliffs, you know, very similar to what you have in uh, southern England. Mm-hmm. Etretat, a famous picture of the the white cliffs of Etretat, and also famous for its uh, resort. So Normandy is actually jokingly referred to as another neighborhood of Paris because exactly. the Parisians just love to take a quick trip over and, and the public transportation is so good and the freeways are so good that you could very reasonably get away for the weekend. It's and, packed uh, on the weekend. Antoine, when you think of the cliffs of Brittany and the cliffs of Normandy, like the cliffs of southern England, a lot of English people come to Normandy for vacation also. Why would an English person come to France? What do they look for when they come to enjoy France? I think first, what what did they miss in England? It's old stones and old houses that we have in Normandy, Mm -hmm. like what we call maison à colombage, that are these very ancient houses made of Mm -hmm. torchy, it's kind of earth mixed with straw, and huge beams. Okay. So I think they do enjoy very much old things that they don't have so much in Britain. The distinct architecture. Yeah. And France is as famous for great food as of course England they are is as famous for looking for great but, food. You know, when you when you think of the British coming to France, you've got to think about the southeast of England, which is very urban, coming to the closest part of France, which is very rural. And there then, are ferry boats going from something oh, directly across to absolutely Normandy. Absolutely, there are six or seven ports where they start from, and it's very, very easy to link Normandy with, uh, with England. Now, if you're an American or a Brit or anybody going to Normandy, anywhere in France for that matter, you're looking for the food. I'm, when I do my travels, you know, in some countries I'm more tuned into the cuisine than in others. And, of course, in France you want to be taking advantage of the cuisine, but you want to also remember to, it's just smart to eat locally. Uh, Virginie, when you want to eat locally in Normandy, what should you remember? Well, it's every region of France has different food. And uh, in Normandy, when you're traveling there, you see cows everywhere. Green pastures mean cows, happy cows. So we have lots of cheese coming from Normandy. One of the most famous one is probably Camembert. There is also a little town called Camembert. So that's where the... Actually a town called Camembert. Mm-hmm. That's mm. where the name comes from. And it's a cheese, the Camembert de Normandy. 
is actually a cheese that is uh, protected. Like, you know, we have wine that are protected in France. The mm. name cannot be changed. Oh, so camembert can only be made in Normandy. Well, there is the camembert de Normandie, which is about only 5% of camembert. Mm-hmm come from Normandy. There are other camembert made in France, but this camembert has to respect certain rules. You need to have a raw cow milk, and you need about two liters of that raw milk to make a camembert, and it has to be boxed in a wooden box. Antoine Bonfils, when you're going to Normandy with a group, what do you enjoy exposing them to from a cuisine and a, and a gastronomy point of view? Uh, you're going to think that all French are heavy drinkers, but I love Calvados. I think it's something special. And they have this expression, which is true normal, that you have in the middle of a meal to try to digest before the, 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 the rest, next, course, the next yeah. course arrives. With a little it, Calvados. Yes. So mm. it helps you to have a, a lunch that could take for ages. Like, uh, <laughs> I was going to say that. two a... to three hours. So thanks to Calvados, they can have this famous true normal and keep on eating and chatting endlessly. So we've talked about Calvados, Camembert, Cider. Those are three C's. I always uh, hear about the four C's of Normandy, the, the fourth one being cream, La right? Crème. La crème. La crème. And uh, one of the famous crème, cream, is the crème d'Issigny. D'Issigny, that's a small town, another small mm. town, and the mm-hmm. cream has to come from that, that town to be named like this. And actually the, the name d'Issigny led to the name, the family name Disney that you have in the U.S., Oh, is that right? Yes. So Disney has a connection with Normandy. Because people from <laughs> Isigny left, Isigny. they went to England. Di so Isigny, I see, like of uh, Isigny. Of yeah. Isigny became Disney. Disney. They moved Disney. to England, then to Ireland, I believe, and then to the U.S. And that's why they have all those fine cheeses at Disneyland. Maybe well, not. Fine. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> this is Travel with Rick Steves, and we are appreciating Normandy uh, with our three French guides, Antoine Bonfils, Patrick Vidal, and Virginie Moret. Our phone number is 877-333-7425, and Diane is calling from Flower Mound, Texas. Diane, thanks for your call. Hi. I'm traveling with some friends, and we're going to have a limited amount of time in different places. In the American cemeteries in the Normandy area and the other towns in the Normandy area, can you tell me in a budget and a limited time what are the must-sees and must-dos? Now, first of all, you were mentioning the cemeteries, so you'd be talking about the D-Day sites, and of course, uh, many right. people go to Normandy for the D-Day sites. So let's talk about that just for a moment. Uh, Patrick, if you are wanting an introduction to the D-Day sites and you just have a day or two to dedicate to that, what would be a good itinerary for an American uh, coming to Normandy? There's two main options. I mean, uh, the first one is to uh, you rent a car and mm-hmm. uh, you do it yourself. Public transportation up there is not very easy. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there's a train leading from Caen to Bayeux and after that, going to the sites themselves is not very easy. So you make Bayeux with your, your headquarters? I would make Bayeux my headquarters. And yeah, that's definitely. the town. We know the name because Bayeux Tapestry and yeah, so absolutely. on. absolutely. It's famous for the thousand years ago Norman invasion of England. And it's also famous as the first city, really, uh, after the, the landings that, that was relieved. And uh, now relieved that's your, in, yeah. your home base, and there's good facilities for touring from Bayeux. Yeah, yeah, from Bayeux, everything is very um, reachable mm-hmm. and uh, by car. It's, pr- it's pretty easy. Or you can also uh, hire one of those local guides, very often British guy, who are taking you around for a day or half a day or a couple in a, of days. In a minibus tour. In a minibus tour, so you wouldn't need transportation. That These guys are great. So those guys are, yeah. And he's a English, native English speaker. He knows, he lives World War II history. And you, you you share the cost by eight people, and it's it's good business for him, it's, and it's quite affordable. Absolutely, it's very affordable, and it's good information, and it's a day well spent when you when you spend some time with those guys. Antoine, what is the best museum to understand the D-Day landings? What what is your favorite way to learn the story? 
Well, I was very impressed the first time I went to Caen right. to see the Memorial Museum of Caen. C-A-E-N, Caen. That's it. And it's really impressive by the size and the documentation they have there. And um, quite a lot of movies and uh, things even French don't know very well about the, the help we receive from the Brits. And this is a museum and a memorial, and it's woven together so thoughtfully. It is just a powerful experience. I would completely agree. That's your best single museum. Virginie, if you want to actually go to the beaches and see where the landings were, what do you find the most uh, evocative and, and interesting? When you go to Omaha Beach, you are you know very close to the American Cemetery, and uh, you relieve the, the movie, the Saving Private uh, Ryan, mm-hmm. in a different way. I mean, if you think about the movie, at least you have a perception of a glimpse of what may have gone on on that day. And uh, if you have a, a private guide on that beach, you, they just make it very real for you. Is Aromanche, is that on Omaha Beach, the town of yes, Aromanche? Yes, Aromanche. It's not on Omaha Beach, it's at the end of Omaha Beach. In fact, it's starting the, uh, uh, I can't remember and, if it's Juno or Saul, but the British sector. And but, that's where they made that huge Port Winston, is that right? Absolutely, yeah, that's where, there were in fact two ports, two uh, temporary ports that they were building to try to avoid using the deep water port of Cherbourg or Le Havre or any, mm-hmm. any town around. And the American one, in fact, was taken away by a storm. So they've reused the, uh, everything they could have from the American one, brought them to Aromanche and finished Aromanche and made it the, the landing place for all the goods and everything they needed. And that was just a Herculean effort there. I mean, it's just incredible how they built this massive port almost overnight. Patrick, uh, getting back to Diane's original comment about the cemeteries, what do you find the most uh, powerful cemetery experiences for a tourist to the D-Day landings? There are two of them which are, to me, are the, the most moving ones. Definitely the American one, because, yeah, that's, because the we, one. that's the one that's your country and you mm-hmm. see a lot of stuff. It's over 9,000 uh, graves and it's definitely very moving. And if you can get there when the uh, the flag is coming down at the end of the day, you get music in the chapel and things like that. It's pretty impressive and, uh, and very, very moving. There's another one that people don't necessarily think first time of when they go there is to go to the German one as well. And that's very important because you always forget that uh, all those young kids German didn't ask to be either, and they yeah. were exactly in the same situation. And uh, and this was the end of the, the war when Hitler was running out of normal-aged fighters, and he was throwing every little kid into the war and all these old people, and uh, 21,000 people were buried in the German cemetery there, and that is quite thought-provoking. It Virginia. is very moving, and I think it does put things into perspective that you're a 17-year-old and your country is at war. You don't choose to go to war. So it's, I think it's very important for Americans to, or any uh, people visiting uh, Normandy to actually go to both cemeteries. Diane in Texas, does that give you some ideas? Yes, it does. And I did want to ask about Mont Saint-Michel. Is that worth a visit? Now, first of all, technically, is Mont Saint-Michel in Brittany or Normandy, and how do we know? We leave it to the Norman. (laughs) I'm from Brittany, but we leave it to the Norman. And uh, you definitely want to go to Mont Saint-Michel. And the best time to go there is to spend a night. Arrive late when the crowds of tourists are actually leaving. And you'll enjoy the wall, the rempart, what we call the rempart almost for yourself. Have a nice restaurant there, enjoy the sunset, watch the tide, amazing tide, one of the strongest uh, in Europe. And by staying overnight, you have a chance for something that is one of my most vivid memories of Mont Saint-Michel is going to the morning prayers at the Abbey. You have to know that most people who visit the Mont Saint-Michel, it's the most visited site outside of Paris in France, do not make it to the Abbey. Hmm. 
which, really? you know, is the marvel. That's, it's called the Merveille. That's the, the reason for Mont Saint-Michel. Yeah, the most people do not go there. Many people just buy a mini Eiffel Tower on the Mont Saint-Michel and don't go to the Abbey. So the little town on the island just circles the Abbey, and there's one street that kind of spirals up all the way to the top of the island, and you go up there, and there's uh, special events, there's sound and light, there's masses, there's tours. There's uh, It's just a very powerful experience. But what to do is to go at 6.15 in the morning, so you uh-huh. have to wake up, uh-huh. And uh, you wait by the door, and a nun will come with a big key and open the wooden door of the abbey, and you follow her in silence, and you get to the abbey, which is, you know, a bit crowded during the day, but it's just going to be those 15 or so uh, monks and nuns, and they're doing morning prayer. They're ringing the bell the old way, and if you're at the right time of the year, you can have sunrise on the eastern side of the um, stained glass window. Antoine, what do you remember in your visits to Mont Saint-Michel about the tide and the, and the mud flats that spread out from the abbey? I don't remember much because most of the time I was there, there was no uh, the water was uh, was away. It was way out. So you yeah. can, you're on. It's an island, but you can't see the water because it's so far away, and yeah. you're surrounded by mud flats. Exactly. Patrick, have you ever seen the tide coming in? Yeah, I've seen the tide coming in a few times. Yeah, and it's it can be very impressive. I can't remember who was right. I think it was Victor Hugo who said that it's coming up at the speed of a galloping horse. Amazing. And it's not far from that. I mean, it's not exactly that, but it's not far from that. On, on very high tide coefficient and on the right time of the day and the and the year, you really have the water coming. So you do you have to be careful. In. If you're walking, wandering out there in the tide flats, there's infamous quicksand and there's also the tide coming in at the speed streams. of a galloping horse and streams. Mm-hmm. And I was alluding to the fact that historically, Mont Saint-Michel has shifted between Brittany and Normandy depending on the flow of the river. The river was the border, and sometimes it would flow to the left or the right of Mont Saint-Michel. Uh, Diane, I hope that gives you some ideas. Yes, it does. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Keith is calling in from Scottsdale, Arizona. Keith, thanks for your call. My pleasure. Nice to talk with you. Yeah, do you have a question or a comment for Antoine, Patrick, or Virginie? I've got a comment, actually. My wife and I had a lovely trip to Normandy area several years ago, and one of the most moving things that we experienced was the little village of Angleville au plain in the middle of this village is a 12th century church that was the center of some very fierce fighting hmm. during World War II. And the church actually changed hands between the uh, Allies and the Germans during several days of fighting. Two American medics set up an aid station in the church and treated Americans and French and Germans equally. It's a beautiful story. There's now stained glass commemorating the two medics. Just the thought um, of that. Still, there is still bloodstains on the pews. Patrick, have you had an experience in this little town? Uh, yes. We we do the tour of the place with our tour members, and uh, we meet the city mayor who welcomes us into the church, tells the story. Everybody's in tears Whoa. at the end of the experience, and everybody's so thankful to see this Frenchman taking care of the memory of the American in that kind of situation. But for once, we are in a situation where we see war as it is. We don't see glory of some soldiers jumping up the cliffs and coming like on Hollywood movies. We see guys who are taking care of dying young people and blood uh, drops on the floor. It's it's very moving. It's very touching. And it's very and it's, real. And it's very real. And uh, the, the place Keith is talking about is Angoville au Plain. A-N-G-O-V-I-L-L-E A-U-P-L-A-I-N. Keith, it sounds like that was a, a powerful experience. It, it really was. I, I highly recommend it to anybody that uh, actually take the time to go there. It is yeah. very important. Give yourself some extra time in Normandy because there's a lot more than the, than the slam-bam two or three sites that most people visit. Thanks for your call, Keith. My pleasure. Thank you. So we've been talking about Normandy. We've been joined by Virginie Moret, Patrick Vidal, Antoine Bonfils, 
Three friends and fellow tour guides, all from France and all adept at taking Americans around Normandy. We didn't talk about Rouen, uh, which has this beautiful plague cemetery. We didn't talk about Anfleur, which has the wonderful Eric Satie Museum, which is uh, an amazing musical experience. Uh, We didn't talk about the Bayeux Tapestry, and we didn't talk about the whole Viking heritage. Antoine, Patrick, uh, Virginie, before we wrap things up, is there any other little angle of, of Normandy that you'd like to share, Antoine? Well, to, to, to end with uh, Cherbourg, the French know it very well, not especially because of, of the beauty of the place, but more because of Jacques Demy, the cinema director. And he's well-respected A very France. famous one called Les Parapluies de Cherbourg, which is a, a musical comedy. And Patrick, what is another dimension of uh, Normandy we might want to not neglect? But I think the, 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 what you said about the, the Viking is very important because uh, Normandy means the North men, the men from the North. And uh, in the years, beginning of the 900, the, uh, the Vikings has been raided the western part of France very often and went all the way up to Paris on the Seine River. And at some point, the king of France said, OK, that's enough of that. Let's give them some land so they can settle down and, and leave us alone. And that's what they did. Because these uh, people from such difficult terrain up in Norway, they were just good at boats and they yeah. didn't have any farmland. So they came down and they found beautiful farmland in Normandy. And, voilà. and yeah. then later on, from Normandy, from the land of the Northmen, was the springboard for invading the Norman invasion Absolutely. of England. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's 1066. Where... Every French school kid knows that date well. <laughs> Virginie, what's another dimension of Normandy? Well, linking it as the lots of harbors on the coast, uh, it was a rich place, you know, mainly uh, wool. So if mm-hmm. you think about Rouen, Bayeux, Honfleur, uh, Rouen and Bayeux have amazing cathedrals. Mm-hmm. So when you go to, to Normandy, the small towns have money from the Middle Ages, lots of half-timbered houses, cobblestone, and you really feel like you're in a different part of France with the, the style of the Norman houses. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking about the highlights of Normandy. Uh, Virginie, Patrick, and Antoine, let's just finish. If you were writing a guidebook to Normandy, just very briefly, what photograph would you put on the cover and why? Antoine. Uh, a big, nice, huge co. Co? A co. What is yes. a co? A cow. A cow. A cow. A cow. A cow. <laughs> Sorry. One of the seas of My. Normandy. The yeah. cream. Yeah, so exactly. dairy, dairy, dairy. Yeah, but huge one. Nice. Patrick. I would try to get a picture where I can have a little bit of the green land, a little bit of the of the cliff, just to make this link between the importance of the coast and uh, and how agricultural and green the place okay. is. A, a fertile and dramatic uh, mm. uh, place with a, with a beautiful coastline. And Virginie? Being from Brittany, I have to say that in Normandy, they still have a bocage, which is what you call the hedgerows, which is linked to the Norman time, Norman invasion, and also important during uh, World War II. Mm-hmm. All of those hedgerows everywhere. Wow, I think I'd buy all your guidebooks just based on the beautiful cover. Thank you all very much for helping us better understand Normandy. Thank you. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. To learn more, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.